Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Hush Podcast, where the only thing more positive than our opinions is our dopamine receptors. I'm here with Madison Gray, not the state, and yours truly, here Leo Mancer, your favorite forklift certified tech priest. Well, hello there, friends. I missed you. I, I missed you too. Oh, baby. So, <laughs> so today I wanted to kind of uh, talk about media subversion and, um, you know, just, uh, just for all the conspiracy theorists out there, uh, media propaganda, propagandization for a lack of a better word. Cause you know, that's, that's how you sound smart. You make up words that you can barely pronounce. So, I mean, just to make sure I'm on the same page, is this basically just the overarching idea of like, if you silence the loudest voice in the crowd, then their point is null, basically. Kind of. It's more of using media to normalize opinions, to normalize certain things. It's like social conditioning, which is pretty mm. apparent. Like, I haven't watched TV in quite a long time. You know, I, my parents, when I was in high school, I think it was still in middle school, actually canceled our, our cable or whatever because we just had Netflix and we streamed things and... You know, I at that point was a uh, total weeb just watching anime and all those uh, pirate anime websites back in the day. So I didn't really see any commercials and commercials always had a little bit of that tinge or whatever, but it was never super bad. You know, they still focused on selling the product. And then I sat down and I watched, um, I forgot what we were even watching, but I would go to my buddy's house and, you know, he has cable and we would watch stuff occasionally while we would just hang out or have it on the background while we were playing like D&D or something. And commercials now don't even like sell you fucking products. It's just like it's just media propaganda constantly. Like uh, a very recent example is that insurance commercial that got taken down really fast where they had this this little boy in drag like just dancing around his house and he just destroys yeah. the house and apparently that was supposed to be some sort of insurance commercial. The heck? Well, the first thing that pops to mind for me is like the the Coke and uh, Pepsi ads, those really cringe ones that they put out over like, a couple. Where <laughs> like, you take a sip, you take a Kendall Jenner sure, takes a sip of pi- uh, a Pepsi of Pepsi, and all of a sudden the world is all united. Antifa and the the alt right stop yeah, fighting in yeah, 2017. That's exactly what comes or, or, to mind. Or or the new the new Coke one where. <laughs> Where that kid's playing like this orc versus human war game, and then uh, uh, yeah, that- he di- his orc his orc dies, and then he's like, "Oh fuck, I need a I need a coke," and someone gets him a Coca Cola, and he cracks that motherfucker open, takes a sip, and all of a sudden his orc comes back to life. Somehow him drinking coke brings his orc back to life, and then he throws his axe down and is like, "All right." unity peace and everyone around the world watching this stupid ass stream and everyone playing the game is watching as in the game somehow these things have become like toy story characters and they've come to life and they're all unifying and hugging and it's all this stuff that it was the most cringe thing i've ever seen and i've seen some cringy stuff i still think it's really hilarious that they felt the need to like branch out to like you know the gamer community they're like who haven't we reached yet because Ah. you know (laughs) Isolated if, on, if online if Serbia. online gaming is famous for anything it's it's uh unity and uh and and uh inclusion isn't it mm-hmm. there's no there's no gamer where it's going off in chat every 10 seconds <laughs> you know if playing modern warfare 2 in high school taught me anything it's that we were all about love and hugs and puppies 
Of course. Really, like instantly, my mind just goes to China number one. <laughs> <laughs> Taiwan number one. It is all the fucking Chinese kids in the game just going ape shit. Yeah, that was real funny. But but yeah, no. Anyway, back to commercials. Uh, it's just like you watch these commercials, you'll sit through them, but you'll never see just like a single race family that's white. It, it's always mixed race, and then. So there's that, and it's very on the nose, and that's like a not really anything offensive. Don't get me wrong; it's just so blatant. But you'll see that you'll see a lot of like ads with a lot of like feminist type angles in them. You'll see a lot of again like weird gay drag stuff. And it just it just kind of blows my mind because at no point is any of this selling me the product. Mm-hmm. It's just right. selling me some idea, but instead of having the effect that it's supposed to have where I'm supposed to see this and it normalizes it, it makes it even weirder, in my opinion. Yeah. I, I'm sure with some people it actually does work that way and just kind of normalizes things, but for me, I just noticed it, and it's like, why are, you, why are you pushing this so hard on me? I think another really good example of that is, I don't know if, if you guys have seen it, but there is that like Black Girl Gamer commercial that's been getting put on YouTube recently. No, I haven't. Oh, well, so long story short, it's this commercial that Google put out and you have this super super fat black chick with the most comically ridiculous like bunny ears on like they're huge half of they're half of her size on and it's like there's not a whole lot of black girls that are game developers and that's the whole commercial is just that which I no offense to the actress but I feel bad for her because you know it's just they're painting a target on this poor woman's back you know, mm-hmm. because she's got all the diversity, you know, she's got all the diversity points there. She's the obese, yeah. she's a quirky gamer girl, she's black, and she's asking for inclusion. And I know anyone, yeah. anyone unfamiliar with this listening is probably like, oh my god, Madison, you're so racist, which, no, it's just a really, really ridiculously stupid commercial that's just, it's like the Gillette ads, it's just begging for the wrong crowd to find it get upset oh, yeah. and harass the again i never get i never well, i never want to like go on you notice the reaction the reaction to all of this nip typically is like oh well like look at all these people that are reacting negatively to this politically charged you know infomercial you know they must be the, the, the they're the racist they're the part of the problem and everybody like wants to publicly mock them and they're given internet points for doing so it, yeah it's but just... i think what's really sick is not even that because people expect that reaction and like i don't think that you have to sit there and defend either side for wanting to have inclusion in their ad and one side for laughing at it or even some of the actual, I guess, bigots, if you, you know, I don't think they're a very huge majority in this equation, but, no, you know, the, really. few, the few fringe bigots that really are, offend, you know, quote unquote, offended by it. It's more of just how on the nose and obnoxious the whole thing is. Like the Gillette ad with that, that super obese woman in the waves, and they took mm-hmm. the most unflattering picture and the most unflattering mm-hmm. angle of her. Yeah. And, and Gillette is a like 80% men focused brand, right? Like I, I don't know how many female products they have, but I know it's very minuscule compared to their men's products. They're like a men's company. Right. And I remember when that came out in like 2018, I saw it and I thought it was a joke because they had just had that like toxic masculinity ad. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was just, a, I thought it was a joke, but then I saw it was the official page. And what I was trying to say earlier was it's easy to get mad at the person on screen, but you know, they're just an actress or a model that took a job 
and now they they, they face the brunt reason. yeah they face the brunt of the negative reactions of the her there is harassment that does come from this the harassment they they face the backlash and these companies are just setting them up for it like you know google knows what kind of reaction they're going to get when they want to sit there and you know put all this diversity and inclusion crap into the That's gaming the, market like, it, it kind of reminds me of that one uh you remember uh how everybody reacted to the uh newer star wars movies yeah um well it's like the actor for rose i didn't see the movie because i just i didn't even like the first one so i just didn't i haven't even watched the rest yet but like i heard You're not that missing no i heard um i'm not too thrilled with how they ended i've been spoiled and everything i i I, I think it could have been done better, even if they didn't have to rewrite the whole. A better, thing, a better but. way to experience those movies is to watch ER's reviews. Shout out ER. Um, <laughs> but um, no, it's like she she had no control over the script. Really, she had no control over what her character was going to be like. And meanwhile, here's this creepy director. And I mean, I saw I saw the interview, and it was like he was describing Rose's character as this. Oh, this girl I would have really liked to know in high school and shit like that. She's just mm. this shallow character that really shouldn't be there. But and it's not her fault. But she got like harassed for it by these yeah. angry fucking things on the internet. And it's just like you could do better. You could do better to these people that are acting for your movie. But that that plays that plays into story. the exact point I was trying to make earlier, where it's they they set these people up knowing they know. They're not unaware of the reactions they get. They're not unaware of, of the way that people go after other people and get angry about it. But they do it on purpose, and then they use that they use it as an excuse to then demonize the audience and to attack people who didn't like it. And by no means am I saying that it's okay to harass people or to be a complete piece of shit, right? But they know that most people aren't going to sit there and look at the bigger picture this and be like oh this character is fucking annoying i hate this actress i hate this actor i hate this and they're going to lash out at the whole thing and then you're going to have all these internet commentators come in and talk about it and then they're going to rile their fans up and some of them are very fair some of them are very on the money and get it and others aren't others are just going to inadvertently weaponize their audience and this isn't me trying to say oh well, internet commentators need to have it no that you can't control your audience and you're just making content so and that's not even what i'm trying to say but the whole the whole gambit happens people know that this is what's going to happen and they do it anyway these executives, these producers, they set it up knowing that this is the reaction that's going that's going to happen, and then they just let it go. And it's really disgusting because, one, they create an enemy out of an audience that wanted to like and support it, but didn't because you gave them a crappy movie or you right. gave an ad that was just really obnoxious and stupid that was just open to jokes, or better yet, you release an ad like the Gillette Toxic Masculinity ad where you attack your main demographic who buys your products in a really right. like cringe inducing way the and old so, uh the old model used to be the best a man can get and now it's just like oh well you know don't be a toxic boy all like and and on top of that it's just these people like like there's a lot of people out there that would that would normally say oh well they're just trying to appeal to a larger demographic it's like you can't really that that's not a wise business choice by like demeaning your largest demographic it, in favor it, of people who typically won't buy your product it's yeah, not a good but business why is deodorant why is deodorant political exactly deodorant's just shit you make yourself or it's, it's really just shit you use to make yourself not smell like ass. Yeah, and, I mean, and, and the thing I don't understand with this stuff is, you know, with movies, it's like they sacrifice good movies. They keep sacrificing good, um, 
really good franchises or, or legacy franchises to push messages that you could push in a movie that that's actually good. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of of movies and comics and different things that have you know political affiliations or, or messages that I don't agree right. with that I genuinely enjoy and most people can genuinely you know are, they're kind of universally beloved, but. Everything has its place, though. Well, the thing is, is because it's good art, it transcends whatever the, you know, the base political uh, motive of it is, and it becomes something that's really good and culturally significant. And even if you completely disagree with the main motive, there's something for you to take from it. A really good example of that is The Watchmen, because uh, The Watchmen pre-exists all this uh, stuff didn't used to be political. Stuff used to be explicitly political. It's just that there was a certain quality standard that kept it from being just some crappy political take that they were shoehorning into a comic book or into a movie and Mm -hmm. making actual art and that political message was there for anyone who wanted to hear it and to look just a little deeper just a little bit beyond the surface you know and Watchmen's a great example of that because no one will complain that Watchmen was political the same way they're going to complain about um, you know a lot of the new Marvel comics and how they're just ridiculously political and obnoxious and that's because, you know, instead of making freaking <laughs> Captain America into a secret neo-Nazi and having having Red Skull give cringe anti-immigration speeches that, that make him sound way more agreeable than he's supposed to be, which is what I find hilarious, because they make these villains who are supposed to be these, like, over-the-top bigots sound. Did you know, actually, that there was a spin-off of... Uh, oh, where they made him Jordan was- Peterson? Yeah, yeah, they made him Jordan. But that's Peterson. what I mean. Is it's like anyone, anyone who reads that is like, and who either isn't familiar with Jordan Peterson, or the people who are are instantly going to hate it and they're going to mock it, whatever. And then anyone who doesn't yeah. is now going to look at who Jordan Peterson is, read his philosophy, listen to his speeches, and then they're going to realize it's like this guy is a centrist. He's like center left. In all honesty, yeah. the only thing, the only thing right wing about this guy is the fact that he's Christian and he has like, I guess, more traditional values right but it's just like that's your red school that's your that's he's, your he's super conservative hitler. yeah but he's like he's like canadian conservative which is like center left in canada exactly yeah yeah exactly and what I, it's funny because it's like you could there's so many figures that you could base off of red skull off of to make a more modern i guess like evil hitler nazi type character but they don't yeah. they go for this low-hanging fruit that it, it, it's like a self-own you know and and it's silly. Yeah. but anyway back you know that, that that's kind of how modern comics is and that's why people are like oh get politics out of comics get it out of comics because they're sacrificing good quality content which could be a vehicle to expose your message and to expose your ideology to a greater audience who wouldn't normally hear you because they disagree with you and now they can hear it whereas watchmen watchmen's a great example of it's really complex i'm not going to get into exactly what it is but it's just a a fantastic story that kind of exposes Mm -hmm. you know a lot of different you know things and and you know it very much is set in the 80s and uh the reason i want to bring it up is because it's a really good example of where the quality was circa the 80s when it came out and even the movie that came out and i think it was 2008 or 2009 versus the really shitty hbo one that they made recently which yeah i was excited for because hbo oh, usually awesome. makes decent shows and they had trent Reznor and atticus ross on the soundtrack so i was like this is gonna be fucking awesome and then it came out and you know it's just the wokest 
most white people bad shit I have ever seen in my life with yeah, with uh, I smell white supremacy on him he reeks of bleach like I, ha- I get like you expect Wait, me to hear a l- that a line? that's a real line and in the first episode <laughs> and you expect me to hear that and not just laugh my ass off and turn that shit off yeah and then and then uh they make all the bad guys uh i'm getting ahead of myself let me get back to, to the main before i even get into this so the main driving character in watchmen is rorschach and all the different heroes for anyone who's not familiar with it i'm not going to spoil the story but all the different characters are different archetypes of different types of superheroes that show a lot of the flaws that come with each of them and the main yeah. character that really drives everything in the main cast is Rorschach. And Rorschach is this like hard right-wing character. He is, um, I believe he was supposed to represent uh, Ayn Rand's uh, objectivist philosophy through to its like ideological extreme. So he's kind of this like conservative leaning libertarian type figure uh, that is the epitome of lawful neutral. And um, he really drives the story and there's a point towards the end where it comes in do we do do we do something bad for the greater good or do we not do it and expose the truth and accept the consequences of the ultimate truth you know for the people and so he's supposed Rorschach is supposed to be painted as this negative light but in all honesty he's the best character you know in the entire the entire comic and the same thing in the movies he's the he's the no other character has a better solution and a better alternative to what Rorschach brings to the table, which I know goes against what Moore wanted the character to stand for, but that's kind of how it is, and that's why he's kind of a beloved character. Um, and he's another example of some some amazing characters and amazing, you know, sorts of films that are now conceived bad taste. But we'll get into that later into the episode. Yeah. But the whole thing is, it, it gives you these different characters. And it gives you these different ideals and and everything to kind of lead you to your own conclusion. And it uses the backdrop of post-Vietnam, straight in the middle of the Cold War era, the 80s backdrop to kind of really play out its political and social message. And overall, The Watchmen is just one of the best comic books you can ever experience. It's not for everyone because it is a little complicated and it is a little dated in certain areas, but it's fantastic. The, the movie they put out in 2009, it's definitely very Hollywoody and it has some problems, but it's still a pretty good movie. But then right. you get to the 2019 HBO show, where instead of doing a retelling, like a dramatic retelling episodically of the original show, which I thought they were going to do, or sorry, the original comic, like I thought they were going to do, they did a quasi sequel to it, which isn't a bad idea. Per se, I mean, you, it, it is interesting to see the world after it, but mm-hmm. instead of focusing on like the the main points of the original comic book and following any of those characters, it just it takes this black versus white to the extreme uh, level, and it's just pure race baiting. It's pure white people bad, black people good, black people oppressed, white people oppressors, and again it's just it's so shitty on every single level not just because oh i disagree with the concept of the show that's 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 besides the point but it's so such blatant propaganda with no real substance to the show that it just it just sucked 
which is why it didn't really take off, which is why you don't see a lot of people talk about it. Because something I've yeah. noticed is a lot of those shows I've that are just so, so bad. About it. Yeah, that are so bad that nobody wants to touch it, that no one even on that side wants to defend it. They just don't get talked about a lot of the time. And so that's what kind of happened to Watchmen. Mm. But they, you know, they ruin it. But it's they've done that with so many things. They did that with Ghostbusters, where it was, you know, feminism good, men bad, men stupid. Uh, and they yeah. made this really, they made just a really unfunny sequel, which an all-female Ghostbusters could have been funny. They could have made it really good. I don't think the idea was bad. Actually, of all like the all-female feminist uh, takes on new movies, that's one that could have worked. But I mean, they did that with oh, the Ocean series. They made a new Oceans movie that was all-female, tanked. They made uh, the the new Terminator movie, which was super, you know, feminist, and it tanked. And they just keep making all these like feminist films that just don't go anywhere because they're not good, and they're so ham-fisted and clunky, and the quality is just so low that you know the message that they have in the movies and the angles they're trying to take, the politics and the propaganda that they're trying to push is the main target of it but the real reason nobody likes them is just because they're bad you know you can make great you can make great you know leftist feminist films but they just don't focus on making a good film they just they focus so hard on the propaganda and Mm -hmm. selling it as propaganda and demonizing people for not liking it and like you know demonizing the fan bases that they're ruining that they're antagonizing of these series that they, they keep taking and you know turning into this garbage right that it it's why it doesn't work and it's just it goes from i'm i'm sorry i'm i'm rambling i'll stop hogging the airtime in a second but (laughs) to me it, it just really goes to exemplify the difference between propaganda of the past and propaganda of now there's no separation of art and propaganda everything is propaganda and i know that's a really kind of nihilistic way of looking at everything and i don't like to look everything at that but everyone's trying to give you a message mm-hmm. well yeah and, i mean it's uh well, there's it's actually hard like, not I mean, to look at it that way though because anymore everyone has this very like family guy-esque approach yeah how they deliver their message where they they tell you something and then they beat it mercilessly into yeah the but, but hear me out hear me out let me finish my let me finish i guess my thought and then i want to hear what you guys think of it but uh basically instead of making an art piece that has a message they take a message and they throw it into a overly processed produced movie with no substance and so that message is just there to be laughed at and scoffed at and not and not given any ability to be looked at any deeper than how it is and taken seriously in any way and it's just blatant propaganda versus you know movies that had a very propagandist message from back in the day or or films or music and or any medium i guess you know what have you because comics is a really good example of this right now where right. that message is never going to hit the mark that it's trying to hit because it is so clunky and stupid and done in such a mean-spirited and ham-fisted way that it stops it from ever being palatable to those that are going to reach it. The only people that are going to look at it and think it's good are people who are already on board with that message and that ideal. That People people already believe in that propaganda. It's not going to touch anyone new. And that's one of the biggest problems that I see going on. It's just been turned into how do we demonize fans of these series? How do we demonize people versus how do we reach people? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's how it's how do you further the divide that's already happening and taking place rather than how do you 
how do you reach people with a genuine message yeah I mean Star Wars is a great example of that I mean those movies Star Wars was for everybody I mean, mm-hmm. if you really wanted to look at the old Star Wars films and find, like, I guess, political allegories, you could. Even in the really, in the really obnoxious uh, prequels. I would, I would even, I would even argue, honestly, that that like, it's not even Star Wars is like probably the least political piece yeah. of literally just the hero's journey mm-hmm. in space. It's not even technically a sci-fi flick if yeah. you really think about. It. And then you I get mean, to, and then you get to the new Disney trilogy. And the first one had a tinge of, I guess, like lefty liberal politics in it. It wasn't like super bad. It was just uh, kind of a modern, more, I guess, liberal take on, um, you know, the first movie on A New Hope. But mm. they didn't. It was always it was it was going to be a trilogy from the beginning. But uh, if you look in the interviews, uh, what's his what's his name? J.J. Um, Abrams didn't write it as a trilogy he just wrote it as a one-off film which is something really bad and instead of letting him direct and write the second movie they got another writer and it went out the door because this person went full political and they completely they made one of the most the worst movies they made an abortion of a film with uh rise of the not rise of the skywalker that's the the third one in that trilogy what was it called um the last jedi that's what it was right oh yeah oh yeah and it's like they don't even treat these things as pieces of art you know they don't treat them as all right we're gonna make a trilogy let's make a cohesive let's write out at least a rough outline of what our three movies are going to entail like what is the overarching story each one it's all about it's all about demographics now it's like oh well i'm going to do it because i like it and because i think everyone that i appeal to or want to appeal to will like it it's not respecting the property as an individual thing it's 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 basically trying to mold it in a way that you appreciate it as like the the guy who directed at least the one who was responsible for uh what was the second one the the last the The last last, yeah that one yeah the the one i think there was a bit about how he used uh the rebels used these very slow fucking disgusting looking bombers instead of the y wings now and and they're like oh well they're so efficient and all this and and trying to justify how really slow they are and the only reason why they included it was because the director really liked world war ii fucking bombers or something and mm-hmm. he wanted to replicate that in the star wars universe and it's just really stupid because it's it's just i want to make it how i want to make it and it appeals to those types of like I'd say the Steven Universe type of people that are yeah, just but like, that's the thing is all the all the political messages TV. that they shoehorned into the film are Steven Universe type political messages. But I'll, I'll give Steven Universe some credit here, uh, and it gets away with a little bit of it because it's a kid show. I, I think Steven Universe is terrible. I've never liked it, and I think it's an obnoxious show, regardless of its politics. But at least Steven Universe makes a semi-entertaining cartoon with decent, yeah. uh, you know, decent enough art. There's enough attention in there to where it's not just political message for kids, political message for kids, you know, social message for kids. It's it's enough of a cartoon that, that, you know, it's enough of a fun little cartoon that it's just, it's entertaining on its own, right? Where with these Star yeah. Wars films, they didn't make an entertaining movie. They didn't make a well-made movie that happened to have these more lefty liberal political messages in them. That could appeal to an audience of Star Wars fans who might disagree, but they go watch their new, their favorite 
their favorite series, the new movie, they like the movie, and they now they maybe have more of an open mind to these ideals, but instead, they get a really dog shit movie, and then the most blatant thing isn't just how bad the movie is, it's how obnoxious the politics in it are because they're trying so hard to sell you on unity and equality and you know again all that crap and that becomes the main you know talking point is oh these movies sucked because of this and no the movies didn't suck because of that yeah those did drag the movie down because they were implemented in a way that was so obnoxious that it it it, it sucked but the movie sucked because they're not handled like pieces of art. They're not handled like, uh, you know, something that you're supposed to actually take and enjoy. They're, you know, they're made like a crappy fucking pop figure for you just to go buy this, and consume and watch once and forget about. This kind of reminds me of a, of a sort of um, like I saw this post recently and I, I don't want to dig it up because, you know, I just Facebook is cancer, but it's in this music group that I'm in. And basically, it shows this tweet from this man. It takes a certain level of intelligence to appreciate some classical stuff or something about like fucking music theory or whatever and poly, whatever the fuck. But the dude's going off and he says it takes, you know, it's something that somebody who exclusively only listens to trap wouldn't understand. And some guy, some like soy face McGee looking guy, you know, says who says he's a musicologist responded to it and said you're you're basically um you're harboring some kind of uh some kind of racist uh worldview because music theory is just white people thinking they're at the center of music or whatever the hell and classical music is racist tell and that all this to shit. tell that like, to the black jazz musicians of the 20s well that 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 the fact that the guy that originally posted his appreciation for fucking you know being pretentious about fucking mozart or whatever the fuck you know he he was black so it's like you know <laughs> i'm over here thinking why aren't you gonna let this black man enjoy fucking mozart the way he wants to yeah it might be a little bit pretentious it might be like you know a little bit oh yeah i'm such an intellectual but there's nothing racist about that you know i mean are you and, and the implications behind it in my in my opinion are much more racist than the whatever yeah he's but trying. that comes from that comes from media just like how they portray everything they portray exactly. every everything as some form oh, it's of all white it, it but it's it's literally you can't just disagree with somebody or not like something that's popular with another group of people it's never something as simple as that everything has this like deep-seated racial or ethnic uh sort yeah. of or, or sexist motive to it as to why you don't like it because i saw something i saw something similar before with k-pop right and yeah. somebody made a, it wasn't even like a serious post they just made a joke about how k-pop is for little girls or whatever yeah and uh it kind of is uh i actually like it really is uh, i actually like some k-pop so i'm not even saying that as somebody who hates the genre i think it's an oversaturated right. genre filled with garbage but you know big bang still slaps Shiny was a, a great group. Just just out of myself. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. They do have it down to a fucking science. You know, these guys yeah, have it pop more kind of in their grasp than American it pop is artists. Music yeah. made with the main demographic that it's being sold to, being high school and middle school girls. 
There's nothing wrong with that, but because he made a joke about it, and again, it was a joke post. It wasn't supposed to be like this serious. Oh man, K-pop is like cancer, and everyone who likes it is horrible. It wasn't like that. It was just somebody making a stupid joke, and then this person comes in, and they they made it this whole thing where it's your sexist and your racist against Koreans and you know girls and all this other kind of crap, and it's it's like, dude, what planet are you on? One, it's a joke, and two. I don't look at any like Hispanic or black person who thinks Led Zeppelin sucks or the Beatles are overrated. Oh, you must hate white people. No, I just look <laughs> at it as somebody who doesn't like something. I don't apply some sort of right. racial motive to something unless somebody comes up and is like, yeah, rock music is too white for me, fam. Like, th- th- then maybe. <laughs> but, you know. Well, yeah, I mean. But like the worst part about the worst part about that mentality, I mean, like kind of going back to the post that I was mentioning, it was like he was literally just comparing like somebody who listens to trap exclusively to somebody who would kind of understand like the music theory behind classical music. Right. Yeah. And these people are turning it into all about race because trap music is predominantly black, which, you know, but it, That's it's the like thing is, I find <laughs> ironic at this point, though, is like everybody is so hyper focused on like unity and come together and like don't be racist but by doing that you're literally being fucking obnoxiously racist for no reason yeah but if we kind of go back to the if we taking it out yeah but if we go back (laughs) to the if we go back to the main point about media subversion that's the point because if you watch all these films it's always based on one other being bad if you look at mm-hmm. all these commercials, it's trying to normalize things. And then whenever there's backlash for it, these companies create a other of the people who don't like this and paint it as yeah. they don't like it because they're racist. They don't like it because they're homophobic. They don't like it because mm-hmm. of X, Y, and Z. And that's kind of the right. whole point, which is why, you know, we can go from starting this episode off talking about, you know, shitty politically motivated movies uh, and, and shoehorned in garbage politics that you know are just obnoxious and 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 stupid to here we are where people are at each other's throats applying racism and sexism to literally everything because that's the whole point it's to normalize that people Mm -hmm. think it's just to normalize for example drag kids with like for example with that insurance commercial or people think it's just oh it's trying to normalize interracial marriages as being the standard because of all the commercials and it's not that I don't think that that's part of what they're trying to do. I do think that it, that at a certain level is what's going on, but it's more of they're playing the long game. They know what they're doing. They've gone to school for it. They're they're hired to do this. They know what they're doing and they're purposely creating propaganda, purposely taking sacred things like Cowboy Bebop or Star Wars and wokeifying them, knowing it's going to not just annoy, but set on fire the original audience, and it's going to create a new other for anyone who actually likes that stuff that's new to mm-hmm. the whatever series it is, and those two are going to fight, and they're making it all about, oh, you don't like it because, uh, like, for, for example, with Cowboy Bebop, because you don't like the fact that an Asian man is playing Spike even though it's a Japanese no. anime. Uh, and you don't like it because it's not sexy and, and Faye has clothes on, so you don't like it because you're a misogynist uh, I, I pig. Don't, I don't like it. I don't like it because Faye is supposed to be a femme fatale and not a fucking high school fucking, you know, dropout, all right? Like, she's supposed to have fucking age on her. She's supposed to she's be She's supposed like to be a femme 20s. fatale, not Ramona Flowers. Voluptuous. Exactly. <laughs> she's supposed to have shape, and she's supposed to have a sultry voice, not this little chick 
chipper little fucking bouncing on the walls like i honestly think she would make a better ed you know but yeah but but anyway back to the point i can't they say do that it. because that's sexist apparently yeah you know? but, but that's the point they do it on purpose to create that division because it what it does is on one hand it normalizes their agenda and whatever they're trying to push to those who are you know dumb enough to just let that influence them but also it creates a villain out of anybody who doesn't like it where they can now apply this because cause these people want there to be this mass amount of sexism. They want there to be this mass amount of like racism and white nationalism everywhere. They want to apply that to everything even though it's really not that big of a deal. Like, it's not a big thing. And so what they'll do is they'll do they'll they'll make this shit on purpose. They'll make these commercials, they'll make these films, they'll make these garbage ass comments or comments, comics. And then they will wait for the fan bases, they'll wait for the people to jump on board and attack it and hate on it and be upset about it. And then they'll use those people and apply that message that they're trying to put like, look, there's the Nazis. Look, there's the racist. There's the sexists. And that's the whole point. Mm-hmm. And people keep well, playing into it. It's even in poli- it's even in like military fucking ads. So you can't even say that it's just a yeah. corporate uh, dominating the it's just a corporate trying to reach a larger demographic, right? No, it's not even that. It's 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 even I in about those. So I don't, I don't I don't watch Gavin McKinnis very two much. Moms, so my I two moms yeah. and that. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. I I don't watch I Gavin McKinnis very much. Uh I think he's pretty boomery, but there was one clip of him that somebody posted because uh, I guess he covered that ad on his show and he compared it to a yeah. Russian military ad, and he just the contrast, the contrast was was just hilarious because the Russian ad is like it's like a minute and twenty seconds, if that. It's it's like eighty seconds long, right? And it's just like it shows this this dude hanging out with his friends, kind of being a burnout loser or whatever. And then he's like, I want to do something with my life, joins the military, gets fucking ripped in the best shape of his life. And then they show him jumping out of planes and shooting guns. And it's just like, all right, sold. You know, that's the kind of guy that you want in your military. You want these sorts of, you know, you want people who want to be in the military to be in the military. You want these sorts of, Mm -hmm. uh, I guess, you know, I know people get mad if I say this, but masculine figures Mm -hmm. uh, to be in the military and, and all that sort of thing. Right. And so that was the whole point of the ad, and it's kind of targeting the exact kind of people who would benefit from joining the military because it would help them learn structure, it would give them a chance to uh, get an education, at least, uh, you know, if they're not cutting that constantly like they they usually do. Uh, Yeah. A lot of military people, they get screwed over. Um, And keep in mind, I'm very much not a join the military type person for anyone listening. I'm just kind of giving an example. So you, you have that. And then you have the new American ads and it's like, I have two moms and my two moms fought for equality and for gay rights. And, and, and now I joined the military and it's like, what the, what does this have to do with fighting for our country? What does this have to do with patriotism or, you know, serving the country? If anything, they stand on a moral opposition to each other because in the military, you're going to be doing some shit that will make you wish you were fucking doing human rights type, you know, like uh, (laughs) we're going to fight for equality while we try to get we're going to we're going to paint this as oh we're fighting for equality. And then we're going to go send you to shoot brown kids in the Middle East for no reason. Because, you know, let's let's send the uh, traumatized youth by the masses to join the military, guys. (laughs) Sounds like a great plan. 
Uh. Well, that, well that, that's, that leads into another thing where um, the military has started to pay for a lot of like transgender reassignment surgery, right? And so now there's this incentive for trans for trans ah, transgender people to join the military, so they can get their surgery because those surgeries are pretty expensive, and you also want to make sure you have a good doctor with a good track record giving it to you because it's kind of an important surgery, right? Right. But now you're incentive, and and uh, this goes into another thing. I know it's a touchy subject, but transgender people have much higher rates of mental illness they have they 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 deal with much more of an issue of mental illness and instability anxiety and and all sorts of stuff like that so it's like okay let's take these people who already have trouble with with their mental health and put them in one of the most high stress environments possible let's put them like 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 boot camp my my sister yeah my sister my sister was in well yeah my sister was was in the air force and um you know she told me stories of boot camp and like there was multiple people that just because of the how intense and stressful it was on them mentally they broke and were kicked out like there was this one girl who uh, i think it was on her second or third week there i don't know exactly what happened to her but she she like had a mental breakdown and she just started acting like a robot and of course they had to send her out but it's like mm-hmm. yeah let's take these people who have a lot of men who are more you know prone to mental struggles and usually have trauma and stuff that they've already had to deal with in their life and now let's throw them into a high stress environment and then we're going to incentivize it which is really sick in my opinion but we're going to incentivize yeah. it with that thing that they really want but can't afford probably take away the funding before they can get it which is what they do with school all the time and then we're gonna send them if they're if they get into any sort of infantry or they get into any sort of like actual sort of because obviously not all military positions are combat oriented but they get into any sort of like combat oriented or uh active duty uh sort of field work we're gonna go send them into insanely high stress highly dangerous situations you know there's a reason why vets come back with PTSD like people who are totally mentally sound and that don't have any proclivity to these issues come back you know with scrambled eggs for brains right Mm -hmm. and so now we're going to take people who already have other struggles you know predominantly they have other struggles and we're going to send them in there and then we're going to that's just so exploitative it's disgusting well exactly and that's the thing is like you you're automatically vilified for bringing that up but in all reality it's everyone who is a part of these exact communities who should be fucking pissed at the fact that they're now you know they they advocated to have a place in in the military or the armed forces right and now they're just being exploited they got it now they're being yeah now they're being targeted and exploited and if you bring that up and here's the sickest part vilified yeah and, and and here's the sickest part about the military right now too on the same hand the kind of people who join to be more patriotic the kind of more right-wing type people that join the military and all that are now called white supremacists they have constant investigations on them for being quote-unquote white suprem- for white supremacy and white nationalism right and they attack Dude, those people. are the best people to be in the military personally they care more about their country than somebody who's a leftist to be honest well of course but that's the thing is it's like if anything, having those people go fight is the is the better ideal. They get to live the life they want to live. They get to be separated from the people they don't like or whatever and do their own thing. 
but instead of that, we're vilifying, demonizing these people, and then ruining their lives by, you know, kicking them out of the military, which is a very bad thing to have on a resume. It, it, it hurts you if you've been dishonorably discharged, right? And then we're taking people, we're exploiting, because again, it's like, oh, we need more brown people. We need more poor African Americans. Uh, you know, if you're struggling, if you're struggling, fam, come join the military. Like that's that's yeah. so gross. Instead of, hey, do you want to join the military to have a maybe have a better life and because you care about the country and anyone of any flavor, any any national, any whatever can can join. You know, something that's kind of fair. Yeah. Instead of that, it's oh, are you struggling and are you poor? Well, that's okay. We got a place for you here. Let's just exploit the poor. Oh, hey, do you have a condition? that deeply affects your life well we'll give you we'll give you the ability to get that surgery if you join us like it's just so exploitative yeah. and gross and then at the same time it's purely political to to give them this weird i guess i guess the military needs a woke image on one hand so it, it, it's this gross political grifting that they're doing one two it's exploiting people which is disgusting and then three, it's vilifying other people who want to serve even more, calling them something which is essentially deep, you know, so that gets you deep platformed or de-depersoned uh, in normal life, which is you brand them as some sort of white nationalist or some sort of Nazi, and then you disarmably discharge them because maybe they got in a fight and they said a really they said a slur you know or maybe they exposed an opinion that was bad or better yet uh you're not allowed to have any sort of political flags or political stuff on base now right mm -hmm. but so so you can't have a trump or a biden flag or anything but uh blm is apparently not political and so you I thought can everything was political exactly so you can have that so you can have those flags everywhere and then you're just setting it up to where people will want to fight each other about this they're going to want to argue and it's just it's so backwards it's like let's just create more division and subversion um and then while we exploit the very people that we're supposed to be championing right now like oh we care so much about trans people we care so much about minorities that we're going to exploit them and then we donate to a trans community or something like fuck man you're the military yeah, you got exactly. all these from Lockheed Martin <laughs> fuck man it's just it's so That's backwards so back. <laughs> and then and then because because of uh, again back again back to the main point because of media subversion and normalization and all this propaganda shoved down our throats if you so much as bring that up right if you so much as talk about that all of a sudden you're transphobic Oh, you're transphobic. Oh, you're racist. Oh, you're this. Oh, you're defending. You're, you're defending Nazis. You're defending white nationalists. Mm -hmm. and, it, right. and it's just like, it's like it's like media, news, and movies, and all this propaganda has just like fried people's brains to where they can't look just a little bit deeper than the surface to see just how gross and corrupt all this shit is. It's truly like kind of i mean it just brings you back to the whole clown world kind of thing you know people aren't allowed to express their opinions because they're lambasted that, that doesn't create like any type of environment where these opinions are allowed to get like actually analyzed it just creates more of a louder need for an echo chamber for even the most toxic opinions yeah, i'm pretty but, sure I, that's the kind of environment that fascism just, actually thrives in though yeah but you i know? just want to well i want to point something else that's ironic why is it that 
these people who are supposed to be the leftist liberals that are fighting for equality or sorry not equality equity that's the new word uh equity are the ones that are exploiting these people and it's me the evil right-wing guy that's pointing out how they're getting totally screwed and they're exploiting these people it's not a little backwards well i mean it's actually it fits the bill because people that are like especially in america people are on the right wing um they typically have a larger distrust of the government i mean yeah they, they might be a little bit more shilly on the corporate side of things but you know they have an immense distrust towards the government and neoliberals can't really see past that that's their bias you know they, they, they think oh we need more we need more fucking um um black tax fucking auditors or whatever you know to take people's houses you know and it's just like it, it basically would fit the bill is what i'm trying to say and we, and we need more garbage women nobody thinks of <laughs> people people think that like the, the the guy on the right wing is actually their enemy it's like no if anything he's he's trying to get the government off your ass more so than the democrat is the democrat's mm -hmm. gonna try to sit on every amount of high ground that he can and in my opinion it's i mean it's a lot more disingenuous than the uh, than than like the liberal who's just trying to shill to as many people as possible. Because at least you know a Republican will sit on his fucking standards, um, and he'd yeah, be honest that kinda, with you. About that, 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 that goes to the point of why not a Republican, but anyone on the right, I'd say. Yeah, but that's why they go back and they yeah because neocons are neocons are no different than neocons are synonymous with neoliberals. They're both. They're both on the. They might fiscally right. be different, but they have the same dumbass ideology. Oh, uh, they're, just, they're, just to be clear, both sides I'm not are cheap. About our politicians. I'm not. I'm not exactly talking about our politicians more than just the uh, right, left, like kind of oh, between the divide, like the, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, the people that the people that actually inhabit and work and support this country, like the the, the fucking citizens. You know, not not the not the suits. The suits are just on their own level. They've always yeah, been but, on their own level. That kind of so goes back to the main point. The reason they demonize the right so much and all that is because they want to create a boogeyman out of people where, look, are there genuine racists running around? Yeah, there there probably are. Are there are there genuine like neo Nazis that are you know shaving their head and ready to scream fourteen eighty eight and chase Jews down the street? Yeah, th those guys probably exist in the backwoods corners of America. But the the reason they overall attack the right so much is because. If, if anyone's been paying attention, the right, for the most part, hasn't really been touching those issues outside of, like, I guess, immigration um, or affirmative action and, and different things like that, which, look, if you want to be on one side or the other, that's up to you. I'm not going to tell you which one you should be on. But, you know, those, those are issues that I think people can put aside for the greater good, for the greater, you know, welfare of America and for the country. But they don't. They demonize these people into being these bigots and being these psychos because it gives them more power. And that's the whole reason why they, you know, it, it kind of goes back to, I guess what we were talking about, like Twitter, but uh, I just want to point out that when all this stuff happened after Trump got elected and all that, they were, they were painting everyone as being neo-Nazis and alt-right and all this sort of garbage, right? But the people they banned weren't David Duke or Richard Spencer or guys like that. Like, actually, those two are a really good example. Both of them kept their Twitter accounts until I believe David Duke got taken down in some point in late 2019. And then Spencer was up until at some point in the middle of last year, right? Mm-hmm. But the people that they went after uh, first... Last year? Yeah. 
holy shit really yeah he was up there for Dude, a long time but, but, the people, but yeah but that's the thing is How? those people the people that actually advocate for for white nationalism and white supremacy and and for ethno states and all that kind of stuff they got to, and and with david duke's case the three-time grand wizard of the kkk those guys got to stay online stay on youtube and stay on twitter for the longest amount of time where the first people they went after when they were going after the quote-unquote alt-right was people like alex jones milo yiannopoulos and uh, uh nick fuentes and people like that. i mean fuentes got to keep his account for a lot longer and he's definitely the most fringe of the people i just brought up but they went after those guys first they went after Sam Hyde first. They got his whole show canceled and blacklisted. And it's just ridiculous to me because it's like, if you sit there and you actually care about, you know, like you want to censor these people, right? You want to get rid of these bad people. Why are you going after the people who make edgy jokes, but are ultimately somewhere towards the middle? They're more moderate right wing. Like for example, Miley Yiannopoulos, uh, if you looked past any of his humor and you listened to any of his college speeches from 2016, you know, it, it wasn't, this like super far right edgy super conservative stuff i mean he's definitely become much more conservative over the years but it was pretty middle of the road you're gonna censor the the gay british jew that married a black man as being a white <laughs> white supremacist but then you're gonna let richard spencer and david duke stay on the platform well i mean when you word it like that <laughs> it's so on the nose it's so yeah. ridiculous and even people i don't like even people i don't like i i hate ben shapiro i think ben shapiro is an idiot um actually i don't think he's an idiot i think he's dangerous because he he's very smart and he exploits people and he kind of keeps them in this like boomer mind middle ground you know bs that just serves corporations and corporate america and then told neocon yeah. outlook right well that but he's they'll, a huge they'll pay, show for his bill. yeah well yeah of course uh but they will sit there and and they'll call him alt-right and of course they never really did anything to censor him but they'll call him alt-right they'll call him a neo-nazi or whatever again hilarious because he's super pro-israel but then they won't touch David Duke until they had to, until there was no one left to attack. They wouldn't touch Richard Spencer until there was no one left to attack. It's almost like they wanted to keep a boogie, some boogeymen up while they got rid of the people, the people who actually probably had some pretty sound ideas and good policies and ideas that could have brought some unification. Yeah. But, you know, that that's the point. Instead of going after people who actually have racist, bigoted ideas that are trying to uh, subvert and, and attack other people and oppress other people, they're going after people who are either advocating freedom of association and freedom of speech or people who kind of stand in a middle area that are trying to kind of unify things. And they're more they're more just cultural tastemakers. Right. It's very clear that, you know, that these people, um, they're not really part of the common consensus, you know? They're, they're always, like, people in the higher-ups of, like, different, you know, corporate offices and shit that are in charge of all this, uh, hand-picking, you know? They're never yeah. somebody, you know, you and I would really know. And, um, it's, it's just kind of baffling to me that these are the people that are allowed to rewrite the social kind of norm of society and i mean it, it's often funny because like i see the word this word thrown around a lot lately um and it's reactionary um and it's funny because if you actually look up 
the definition of it on the people that would use it on their terms, you know, not just like the Google definition or the Merriam-Webster definition or whatever the hell, what have you, but like the definition these people would use on their own terms. What they are is essentially reactionary in their own right, but they want to limit it to the right side of the spectrum from what I've noticed. But wasn't the Bolshevik, wasn't the Bolshevik revolution reactionary yeah they they were against the the whole thing the what defines a reactionary for anyone who might not know is basically you you are a reactionary if you are heavily against the status quo politically to every particular degree and your politics reflect that exclusively and um that's basically leftism in a nutshell because we're kind of living in a hyper capitalistic society kind of global capitalism kind of you know, society now. Um, I mean, whether each, you know, national government in each different country kind of is more on the left or right side of the scale or is more authoritarian or what have you is completely irrelevant. We're all kind of living in a global capitalist society. So in a sense, if you're politically... Just call it what it is. Just call it global homo. (laughs) Globally homogenous. Yeah. yeah. You fucking bigots. But yeah, it's funny that, that, that like the consensus is like more of a leftism kind of thing, which traditionally is against that type of ideal. Yet these people are using leftism as a political marketing tool. To yeah, get but more to kind of something is not Star but, Wars, you know, or yeah, but to kind of give you to kind of give you an idea, I don't think reactionary is synonymous with leftist because I mean, when I, I, I would consider myself uh, on the re, the reactionary right. And, and the reason I say that is because in circa 2015, when, when I was 18 years old, I was a Bernie Sanders supporting liberal. I wasn't like full on board with like... I thought, I thought you were always... Uh, I thought you were always like... I thought these were always like your kind of ideals, you know, but I don't know. I didn't know you back then. No, uh, yeah, no, you met me in the beginning of, I guess, like my, my transformation. I've always kind of had, I've always kind of had, I guess, um, I've always kind of been more of in a middle ground. Like I, w- I wouldn't have ever called myself a leftist, but I was, I was kind of, a, I was a liberal. I, I was, um, right. how do I describe this? I, I would consider myself a, a Bernie bro in 2015 because Bernie bros. Bernie bros weren't social justice. I mean, there's plenty of social justice warriors that were a part of that group, but there was oh, yeah. a lot of there was a lot of people who just didn't like. They didn't like Hillary Clinton. They didn't like the mainstream dem. He was basically the Trump, uh, the Trump. Yeah, of the, he was, I guess, in a lot of ways, a demagogue. Um, yeah, he he was what I would consider the 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 Trump of the Democratic Party at that time because he was somebody that was kind of coming in and flipping it on his head. And even though I highly disagree with Bernie Sanders and I don't like his policies at all. I do have respect for him to a certain degree. Yeah. No, um, I have. He's probably the only uh, senator that I actually genuinely have respect for, and that's only because he's morally consistent. Yeah. Um, I think he means what he believes, even though I don't believe in the same spectrum. To his yeah, I can respect. Yet. I can respect anybody who actually believes in what they believe in, even if I disagree with it. But yeah, I was I was on that side, right? And and that's where I started. But because of all the media that was going on, because of a lot of the really toxic feminist kind of stuff that was going on and just just everything, I, I really started to shift into I, I became much more of a libertarian and I be kind of a borderline ANCAP for a little while. And just throughout, oh, yeah. and like now now I would consider myself, you know, uh, a right winger. I consider myself uh, 
I guess like a paleo conservative, but it, it was one of those things where I didn't start off that way. I didn't start off being this super conservative, uh, anti-leftist person. Uh, oh, no. I, I started off, enough. I didn't care. I, I really, I didn't want to care. I've never wanted to be a deeply political person and care about this stuff, yeah. but I, I've been forced to. Everything has, you know, it, it's been a reaction to the society that I've lived in and to just the, mm -hmm. the situations and the issues that have happened. And you know, so, it's funny. It, it, it's really yeah. funny you say that. It's like in 2015, like, I think that's when the whole political thing started for me because beforehand I was more like, you know, I probably, if I was old enough at the time, I would have voted for Obama on the first term, you know, type of guy. I was very, you know, in the center, we're on the left of things, you know. But, you know, it, it's funny because this is going to sound cringe as hell, but the thing that drew me into it was the whole Gamergate thing, because I was at the time really fucking isolated. But it's not it's not cringy because I mean, I mean, Gamergate is a trash fire, right? And it, it but what right. started it all what started it off was here was an apolitical uh, apolitical activity, which is gaming. Everybody can like video games. Everyone could enjoy mm -hmm. it. And then they politicized it. They were pushing all this woke stuff. They were pushing all this feminist stuff. They were attacking the very people who enjoyed gaming. And then, and no one ever excluded women from gaming, which is the what I always found funny because it's like I was sitting here it was like a the sausage. Whole time. It was a sausage fest for sure for for certain types of groups. But every time a gamer girl would, you know, the gamer girl would enter, everyone would just start like grifting and you know it was it was still toxic to a certain degree because it was real cringe of like you know people simping over like anyone who would come in there that was like a semi-attractive girl but the, the they were never excluded it was just gaming no. you to be a gamer you had to be a gamer and you kind of accepted that mm -hmm. the culture was a certain way and then here you have people like anita at the time anita sarkeesian and zoe quinn and um uh, whatever the other one's name was brianna brianna Wu. And they're pushing all this stuff, and they're they're having hit pieces written about about gamers and certain games and stuff, and Kotaku and Polygon and all these different uh, you know things. And you know the whole Zoe Quinn thing happens, where it, you know stuff gets leaked out. Turns out that she's sleeping with a lot of these developers and people who are it's writing it's for these magazines. Uh, and in return, they're writing all these articles, and it was super politically motivated. But they politicized something that really didn't need to be. If someone made a political game, like let's say on Zoe top Quinn, of that, on top of that, none of this was none of them. None of them actually were involved in the community at all. They were just a bunch of fucking journalists at the at the beginning of it all. Uh, um, yeah, all of them except all of them except Zoe. Zoe Zoe was trying to make games, but her games were dog shit, and so <laughs> that was the thing. Like no one would have batted an eye at what what was it like depression quest or whatever uh if she oh, just put RPG it out it isn't actually an that rpg like yeah a tumblr wet dream it was a tumblr wet dream but uh <laughs> i mean i like to i'd like to put that against another game that came out of that time which is life is strange which people ate that shit up people loved life is strange mm -hmm. because even though i think it's a cringe fest and it's a really dog shit game there was a market for it and outside of its politics people could enjoy it people liked the art style they liked the graphics they liked the story and, and no one really got mad at that one, but everyone hated, you know, Depression Quest and they couldn't stand all these other feminist games because they were they were doing exactly what the movies are doing, where they're here's a dog shit game with a political message and a whatever whatever, you know, agenda that you want. And then if you don't like it, you're a bigot. And that was literally what started it off. So it became this whole thing about ethics and journalism. And obviously Gamergate turned into the trash fire that it became. 
which is also funny because it lives rent free in all these journalists heads like i still see like lefty femoid journalists write about gamergate in 2021 and 2022 and it's like dude this was like seven or eight years ago at this point let's let it die <laughs> just <laughs> let it die <laughs> The funny part about the whole Gamergate thing was it started out pretty innocuous. It was just like, well, I think that the video games are sexist and I'm sitting here a gamer isolated in my room after a really long breakup, working in my fucking wage cage, saying I'm not sexist. What the fuck? I don't think women are bad. I, I think women should play video games too. What the fuck? And it went from that to like, well, what the hell? You know, now we're all just sexist by default and the whole yes, all men thing came out and it's just like, Bro, where is this coming from? And then the, it, and and the reaction to that. It's fucking artificial. It's implanted. Yeah, but know? that was the thing. The the reaction to that was to to get that whole reaction. Maybe it didn't go the way they wanted to. Because in the end, Gamergate kind of won. Uh, you know, not completely, but, you know, it, it was a thing that not everyone demonized. Uh, and then right after that, obviously, you had the whole Trump campaign started and the presidential race of 2015 and 2016 happened. The primaries of 2015, the, the election in 2016, and it became much more political. But even then, a lot of those uh, anti-feminists and those, those skeptic YouTubers and stuff were leftists, but they just weren't on board with social justice. Right. Um, which is something I find interesting. But it's just they made something that didn't need to be political political and instead of bringing more people to that liberal side because if it wasn't for if it wasn't for gamergate and all the super political movies and everything that came out i don't think i ever would have really like gone on the political path i've gone on i probably would have just kind of stayed i probably wouldn't have stayed super liberal i probably would have been more of a centrist um milk but, toast yeah because I, 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 again I, I didn't really want to care i just wanted to make music play right. video games and do my thing right um yeah but instead they 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 made everything political you couldn't escape it and then throughout the entire trump presidency you couldn't there was no way to escape it like everything was like trump bad trump this trump that you turned on the tv you just wanted to watch some snl trump bad trump bad trump bad uh, you know you, you wanted coffee pot <laughs> that's an awfully hot coffee pot should i dump it on donald no. trump probably not <laughs> we're gonna get copyright straight <laughs> now a coffee stream but, coffee but, stream. but yeah no you couldn't listen to music without without it being politicized you couldn't watch anything and then it wasn't it wasn't the tasteful politics of of old it wasn't like a Watchmen or V for Vendetta or a Fight Club right. uh, or anything like that. It wasn't. It wasn't something that was tasteful where people could, even if they disagree with it, still enjoy it. It was just yeah. so blatant, <laughs> on the nose, beating over the head, and obnoxious. Like I'm sure Nobody there was a idolizes lot of Michael Durden or whatever the fuck his name is. Nobody really idolizes him, but you can kind of see his point. You know, that's a well-written Tyler Durden. Uh, well, the thing Tyler is, Durden. well, the thing is about Fight Club. And the reason people like it is because even though even though Tyler Durden is is wrong in the end he becomes toxic the actual message is about it's very similar to um, American Psycho in that regard where it's it's kind of about the shadow self uh, in, in yeah. a very different context whereas American Psycho is about somebody who's just living in this fake conformist world and on one hand he espouses, espouses like social justice you know equality type views and then behind the scenes uh, when he, whenever he is, you know, allowed to kind of be himself, he is just the most evil, horrendous, toxic killer, you know, because he has to live in this fake society that is essentially 
eroding and destroying his humanity and his spirit and turning him into this Jekyll and Hyde figure. Which is what you'll see a lot of these people are like. A lot of these fucking leftists are real disgusting and real horrible behind the scenes. And you'll see that in just how vindictive and hateful a lot of these people can be at times. Well, and and that's not just leftists. There's plenty of right-wingers that are like that, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just you know... I feel like it's the more people, apparent, though, with the left. Just well, it's more apparent, yeah. What they're allowed to get away with saying publicly, it's like, all right, well, dang. Well, it's <laughs> more, it's more apparent, it's more apparent when your side is supposed to be all about equality and inclusion and tolerance, and you... Uh, the thing about like let the left and in regards to like you know their type of expression of like downright like allowed to express violence or if they them to express violence it's often different than typical kind of motivated violent act because on the right violence is just inherent but in on the left they truly believe that their act of violence is justified it's a break of freedom yeah. for their you know but but hey let's get let's get back to fight club so fight club is uh not, not yeah. trying to cut you off it's just i i, I think this is a really good point that i kind of wanted to get into and this also gets into another point i mentioned kind of at the beginning um, well it's kind of a good bridge anyway because the whole the, the whole idea of violence is kind of very prevalent in fight club in regards yeah to, but you so, know, so with fight club allow one to express it fight club takes know? a similar approach to that but instead of it being about you know living in a conformist society and then that turning you it just eroding your spirit, you know, on the inside and becoming, you know, a Jekyll and Hyde type figure. It's kind of another, it's a, it takes another approach at it, which is more of living in a nihilistic consumerist society where there is no substance there. there you, there's no gods. There's no hierarchy. There's no sorts of, there's no purpose. You're just a purposeless person that's just consuming and buying products and working at a dead end job that might pay your bills, but it, it, there's no fulfillment that eventually you just go insane and then Tyler Durden kind of represents that very more base masculine sort of figure that comes in and the yeah. male need for confrontation the male need for violence and he brings a purpose in with this whole we're going to destroy the IRS buildings and the or or with the debt building whatever they were and and reset the credit system right we're going to we're going to do that because it gave a purpose whether it was supposed to be good or bad um ultimately the reason why people liked it was because Tyler Durden represented a character that even if he was wrong in his ideals he gave a purpose to someone in a purposeless society but mm -hmm. it plays it to its logical extreme it starts off as a very positive thing where our main character goes from being this pathetic wimp you know who hates his life to having a life having a, a purpose and being more fulfilled but then it goes into the toxic extreme it plays both ends and that's why it's such a beloved movie and that's why tyler durden is a beloved character because even though he was wrong no one else in his world had a better alternative. It's a lot like Rorschach. No one else in Rorschach's world in The Watchmen had a better alternative to what he was offering, whether he was right or wrong. And it's the same thing with Joker. You know, Joker 2019, that movie. You know, it's not that you should become a schizo mental case that's all about chaos and, you know, starting anarchy and, you know, burning down, you know, the world. But the reason we still root for and, and, uh, and I guess in a way idolize and enjoy Joker is because he represents that person that puts his foot down and says no. Mm, and in, in in Joker's world uh, of that movie, there's no one offering a better solution. 
And again, it's this it's this very nuanced take where it shows the good and the bad of the situation. With Joker, it's mostly just the bad, but with someone like Tyler Durden and, and you know, and uh, I always forget the main character's real name, but uh, with, with Fight Club, it shows a lot more of the positive and how it leads into the bad by the very end. Whereas yeah. with Joker, it, it, it just shows the bad and what can happen to you, and which is why we identify, because I think everyone, maybe not to the extreme of of Joker, but you know, I think everyone has kind of experienced that sort of isolating, you know, alienating feeling at some point in their life. And for those who really do feel that way, especially in a society like ours today, you know, it's not hard to see why people, you know, get with that. But that kind of leads to the point I was making earlier, where people are supposed to idolize all these leftist shitty movies, like the new Star Wars films and the Marvel movies and all this other kind of crap, right? Mm-hmm. And and you're praised for enjoying them. People praise those movies. You're not considered, you know, lame or stupid for liking them. But there's like this outward hatred of anyone who really likes Watchmen and likes Rorschach. Oh, you're toxic if you like Rorschach. Or people who like. I mean, Joker is is kind of. I get why that people don't like that because there's a lot of cringe lords that are all about Joker and miss the entire point yeah. of the character. Oh yeah, I mean, there's but, always going to be like the, the people who look at up. <laughs> Sanchez and be like, he's the smartest guy ever. I like him. Like, I mean, yeah. And that look about how his life is in complete shambles yeah. and he's the most toxic, unhappy person yeah. in the entire show. Yeah, but it, it there's this weird demonization where it's even though these films, even if you don't like them, are extremely well shot. They're beautifully shot. Their writing is good. Their music is good. In American Psycho, uh, for for example, these three movies because they're they're the ones that are most demonized. American Psycho, Joker, and Fight Club. But you're not you're you're not cool if you like those. You're lame. You're toxic if you like these characters. And it frustrates me because we don't do this with any of this feminist stuff. And the second we did, the second Negative XP came out with uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World ruined an entire generation of women, and people <laughs> laughed at it and started mocking the Ramona Flowers stereotype. They vehemently attacked it for being sexist and defended it. But it's it's one thing when it's just a little a friendly needling and joking of, again, the toxic people who idolize these characters, which are not supposed to be your idols. But on their side, they'll they'll defend Ramona Flowers, but then they'll completely hate on people who enjoy Patrick Bateman or Joker or Tyler Durden. And yeah, yeah there, um, there's going to be your occasional cringe lord that takes it too seriously, but people like those movies for a reason. Ramona Flowers as a character is supposed to not like really embody what Scott Pilgrim sees her as. Like she's also pretty fucking toxic in her own right. And it's funny because the idealize the idealization of her is sort of a bastardization of what originally the writer kind of put her in as, you know. Mm-hmm. And well, if you, you read know, the original comics, uh, yeah. she's not supposed to. I, I love well, her, I, here's her the thing. and Scott. Well, yeah. her and Scott are pretty. Here's the thing: up, I, I don't care um, for the movie. You know? uh, I love, but I love the comics, and that's what I find funny. Is like all these people who who do that. It's like read the comic books; you get a much more nuanced picture of all these people. Yeah. But that kind of goes into what it's I'm talking about. Anything that has nuance, problem. anything that has nuance to its political or sociological message. Uh, especially if it's something like a Fight Club or like an American Psycho or or even uh, like a Joker, which is, I guess, more... Joker, I don't see why people associate it with a right-wing film. A lot of people on the right liked it because it's a great film, That's but a thing. That's it's a an thing. anarchist like, I, film more than anything. I really, fucking, I really didn't understand that. Like, people were all talking about, like, the incel uprising after that movie. Like, I, I literally, like, I think I took a chick to see it. 
literally like I it was fun it was it was a good film and you know I didn't really think it was all that preachy to be honest it just I liked the idea behind it yeah and, and, and also it. he wasn't an incel he was a mental case there's a big exactly. difference I mean I'm sure there's a I'm sure there's a massive cross it comes with territory, territory. Yeah. yeah because but, a mental case isn't gonna get laid as much as he wasn't upset but the thing yeah. wasn't was oh, man I just want pussy oh man I'm not getting pussy let me get in my car and run people over that wasn't the movie that wasn't the movie the movie was I'm treated like shit I'm mentally ill this world just treats me like shit they abandon us I'm, I'm left to live this horrific terrible life and then he snaps that's the film it's not oh my god my cutie GF doesn't actually exist I, I hate my life that's not the movie it's not an incel movie I mean, that's part of it, but that's not really the reaction he gets from it. It's more like everything I know is a lie. Time to shoot the, the guy. Incel, yeah, the incel part of the movie where he has that, um, he's having the fake relationship with his neighbor. It's not meant to be an incel thing. It's meant to show how no. mentally unhinged and disassociated he is from the real world. Yeah, that, that's exactly what that is. As somebody who kind of borders in that kind of nutcase department, I saw that clear. Like, I even saw the whole girlfriend being fake from the beginning. Like, it was, you know... It was but, pretty like, obvious. People, it was on the nose. It was right on the nose. And it was, and it was meant to be. Yeah, and the way it was written, it was not really the way it was written, more than the tone of it all. And, and it's just, it's, it's a good movie, man. Like, I don't see any politically charged thing to it more than I just see a message. Mm -hmm. There's no there's no political like but kind of, I would argue against it. I think it's very political. It's just not focused on getting you to vote in a certain direction. Instead, it's meant to paint a picture yeah. of the symptoms. Well, it's not -fixed, yeah, it, it's it's meant to paint yeah. paint the picture of which all three of these movies do. All three of these movies are heavily political, but none of them are meant to like influence which which direction you vote in or think, be about you I know diversity and inclusion. They're about the symptoms of really toxic, corroded societies, you know, and, and the, the issues of the modern day and what they do to a human being and the human spirit. Whereas, on the other hand, with these other movies, they're all about getting you to vote a certain direction. They're all about getting you to be all about certain types of agendas and be on board with certain policies and that's what alienates people instead of giving people something yeah. to chew on that is touching that's engaging that gets you interested in whatever it is and whatever philosophy or whatever the movie is actually about which in my opinion is the difference between shitty propaganda and a politically charged piece of art is it you know propaganda just focuses on how can we force you and you know convince you and sell you on some garbage versus how can we give you a character study or just something interesting to for you to ponder well, on and enjoy that might influence um, you if you look at it a at a deeper level from a kind of literary perspective the reason why i think it falls flat is because these uh these these films that we're talking about like uh, the joker and all that they're they're very grounded in their world, you know? They're, they're, it's not the writer speaking to you, it's the fucking Joker speaking to you. You know, the writer's just a conduit for it, and that's where I think they lose it, because that, that esoteric kind of, you know, understanding of writing is kind of needed, but these people that are writing these stories, they're postmodern, they're fucking dialectic, they don't really think outside of their materialistic kind of lens, and 
because of that, they're, they're sort of writing, unless it's grounded in some kind of like fictional story they care about, like Steven Universe, it's not going to come out right. And yeah, but there's also a lot of contempt. You there's kind of a lot of for the older, yeah. uh, the older, like, imagine like you're, you're a, you're a fucking very, very leftist writer and you're coming up in the world. And instead of making your own thing that you want to make, you're stuck with fucking Star Wars, the third trilogy. Like, I'd be pretty pissed too. I wouldn't give a fuck either, you know? And and I think that's where a lot of it is too, because, you know, you just have all these people that are just rehashing and, you know, speaking to some kind of consumerist angle that these large corporations want to push instead of coming from the heart. Like I would watch something that a leftist makes if it's from the heart, if it's genuine, you know? I would watch anything that a fucking, even a fascist, I would watch something that a fascist made if it was genuine, if it came from the heart, if it was detached a little bit from yeah. the writer's own bias. Yeah, and, but know, I think, I, here, one second, I, I just think it's funny that you brought that up because the ending scene in A New Hope, where they're getting uh, the medals and everything, is literally a shot-for-shot recreation of The Triumph of the Will, which is a Nazi propaganda film from the 30s. Serious? Yeah, yeah. You can watch them side by side on YouTube. I think Triumph of the Will is still up oh. there, but yeah, they are. They're literally. It's literally a, a shot by shot uh, with the lighting, the way they're put together. It's it's a little insane. A little Easter egg for you. Um, I don't know why George Lucas, because I'm pretty sure George Lucas is a is a liberal. Uh, I don't know why he created that, but it's it's a little interesting. But to kind of go back to... Is it a coincidence of some kind, or do you think it was... Genuine? No, no, it's literally shot for shot. I'll show it to you. I'll show it to you after the show. But uh, something that I think you kind of hit the nail on the head without trying to is you said literary. And what it reminds me of is uh, one of my favorite books, which is... Um, uh, do you know... Have you ever read a portrait of Dorian... Or sorry, a picture of Dorian Gray? No, I've not. I've wanted to, but for some reason I've always forgotten to pick it up. So the writer was a bisexual Catholic from Scotland who was excommunicated from the church. But he never, it didn't cause him to renounce his faith. Um, But he wrote a portrait of Dorian Gray, or I just call it that because I like that better. I'll just say that because for some reason my brain goes there. But... um, a picture of Dorian Gray is a is a fantastic book. It's a little dated. It's hard to read if if you're spoiled by uh, modern writing a little bit. But uh, it's I mean I, it's I, a I very read through, uh, the pauper, so I think I should be all right. <laughs> it's hard. Book it's to a read. very I don't want to say political book, but it's very much a a social book in terms of what kind of issues it's tackling. So, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't read the book and is interested, but it's over 200 years old at this point, so get with, get with the times. But the initial premise uh, can be looked at, if you look at it a little deeper than the surface, you'll see the social politi- socio-political message of it. But mm-hmm. if you don't, you just get this really dark, grim fairy tale type it's a penny dreadful that's that's what it's categorized as you get you get one of those kind of stories so anyone of any sort of you know political or or whatever can enjoy the book but if you look deeper into the plot and what it's trying to tell you it's a very almost socially conservative story because what ends up happening is the main character um is this really beautiful person he doesn't really have any talents besides the fact that he's extremely beautiful and charismatic and he ends up making you know he he becomes very self-aware about it about the fact that his beauty will fade and he'll have nothing and he's extremely narcissistic right so he ends up making a deal with the devil to have his 
to have immortality and to constantly stay young. So he's immortally young. But the price is his soul is now bound to a portrait that was done of him. And every sin that he does, he, he, he does leads to there being another blemish and another scar and another year of age on the painting. And so the story kind of revolves around him just becoming more and more deranged as time goes on. Nothing fulfills him. No matter how much of a hedonistic lifestyle he lives, no matter how, how much material he gains, it only makes him feel worse over time. He never finds fulfillment and it ends with him finally going to the painting and destroying it, essentially killing himself, right? And so mm-hmm. to most people, it's just kind of a tragic, it's a penny dreadful, you know, it kind of lives in the same universe as something like Sweeney Todd, um, yeah. or even Frankenstein. And so for anyone who doesn't want to look any deeper than the surface, it's just a really good kind of classic gothic horror story. But if you do look deeper into it, it very much tells you, if you live a hedonistic, sexed out life, a very materialistic life, you're only going to lead yourself to ruin. Yeah. Is essentially the and message of it. Um, they, they, I mean, if you think about it, they, they literally did everything that Fight Club did. You know, they took every restrictive barrier that a hedonist would ever, like, be afraid of. They took it away from Dorian Gray and pushed it to the logical extreme, mm-hmm. you know? And that that's what it ended up with. I mean, yeah, I think it, that, it turned him into a monster. It's good writing, you know? Yeah, it, it, again, it's a classic for a reason. It's a classic for a reason. I highly, highly recommend it. Uh, to anyone who hasn't read it, it's not—it's not, it's not uh, terribly long either. It's more of a novella than a, than a full-on like novel. I think it's like a little under or a little over 200 pages it's around that mark. But it's not like—it's mm-hmm. not some 300 to 700-page monster like some of the other dumb books I like, like House of Leaves. Which I'm not even going to begin to talk about House of Leaves because it's too much of a clusterfuck to, to even approach. I wanted to read that for a while. That's my all-time favorite book, uh, so I highly recommend it. And anyone listening, read House of Leaves. It will hurt you, but it's worth it. (laughs) Good pain. Suffering. Good old suffering. You just gotta struggle on, man. Well, if I could take a second to gush over House of Leaves, House of Leaves is something you could never turn into. It's a genuine piece of art, through and through. Because you could never turn it into a movie, you couldn't turn it into a TV show, you couldn't turn it into a podcast. It is only going to be as powerful as it is through the medium of literature because the way that it's done, it's, I I usually don't like postmodern art because I find most postmodern art to be just an excuse to be uh, abstract for the sake of being abstract and pretending to be deep while you're just a pretentious prick. But Mm -hmm. um, Mark Daniel Lesky, or I don't know, I I can never say his last name, right? But he truly uses the whole postmodern angle to actually make something that is very deep and cohesive and it, it's, it's what postmodern art should be versus what it actually is so highly recommend yeah I mean I've never really been like opposed to the idea of postmodernism more than I don't like the, the kind of nihilistic approach that it's being taken in because postmodernism if you use it right it, you can make some really damn good art with it because, you know, breaking away from certain um, literary boundaries sort of can allow you to do things differently. But if you, yeah. it gives you access to different things. But the problem is, is a lot of people, they just don't know how to do that or they don't know what to do with that or 
they're too personally invested into it to make it seem like anything. Yeah, other well, what it reminds me of is it reminds me of free verse poetry or prose, uh, which is another type of poetry people like to do, where it gives you the ability to kind of make something interesting uh, and, and it kind of breaks down certain barriers so you can you can kind of have fun with it. But a lot yeah. of amateur people who want to pretend like they're very smart and pretend like they're way better than they are will just use it as an excuse to kind of just get away with sloppy, poorly written oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. It, it's a I've lot like a that. Lot slam poets that are really just <laughs> ranting. <and laughs> you have that You have that slam poet girl at your local like, coffee shop that's just talking shit in her stepdad? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, no, there was, I hate uh, that shit, and it sucks because slam yeah. poetry is 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 is, is awesome when good. it's done right. I uh, uh one of uh one of um one of the nicest thing an ex has ever done to me is write like a kind of weird. It wasn't slam poetry, but it was a very free form kind of thing. Because like that, that's sort of the type of poetry that I do. For yeah. The most part, it, kind of, it was something I started doing. It was like an amateur thing, but like it sort of helped me kind yeah. of establish sort of flow so and help me kind of break away from yeah a little so, bit. some homework for the audience if you want to see what slam poetry should be compared to the abortion that it is go look up any of Saul Williams slam poetry from like the 90s and early 2000s and listen to listen to that and then go to your local like night owl coffee shop and listen to the dumb bitches that go in there and just bitch about their stepdad or about their ex-boyfriend or whatever like a truck. <laughs> what? <laughs> where, where did the truck come from? Yeah, are we gonna get some elaboration there? We're <laughs> just gonna mic drop that. <laughs> okay. No, it's a Jay and Silent Bob reference. Um, oh. The metal. I never, the I metal. Never, I never saw those movies. Metal. This is one of my songs, and he says, uh, My love for you is like a truck berserk. It's just really dumb shit. (laughs) (laughs) I was just gonna say, I'm like, where did the truck come from? Love somebody like you love your truck, man. I thought you were referencing Alec Manasi and just getting in a truck and running bitches over. No, fuck no. In, in Minecraft, oh. in, in Minecraft. Did you, see, did, you see, did you see his interrogation video? <laughs> it's comedy. Like these people it's exist. So bad. This guy. They, they live. They live so isolated from reality. Have you seen it, Georgia? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I, I saw it. It was uh, something else. <laughs> Well, because it's like it's like it's like you look at what the guy did. You look at what he did. It's like some psycho rented a car, and and I can't remember how much, but he he ran a lot of people over. He had a, a high count, you know, right? This motherfucker's gonna make it so much harder for people to rent trucks in fucking Canada now, <laughs> all because of some but, dumb internet bullshit that he got. Yeah, no, with. no. So and then you see what he says, right? Oh, we're gonna start the incel uprising. We're gonna do this or whatever, right? And so he goes, and he, he goes in his killing spree, and it's horrible. And so you're thinking this must be some deranged, psychotic person, right? This this must be some some real scary motherfucker. And then you go watch his interrogation footage, and he is the most like spurgy like oh my gosh unironically explaining like 4chan shit to the cop (laughs) telling telling a cop what chats and stacy's are i'm sure there are so many fucking 4chan memes about that like oh yeah i see them pop up all the time but it's just it's just like 
How? How did this happen? How does this exist? Look, I have a theory. What kind of weird, deranged reality, dude. I, I, I really fucking hate being in the Berenstain universe, y'all. Can, can I just say that? Can we just, can we just acknowledge that he probably just saw the female Ghostbusters back to back with Last Jedi and just said, "Fuck it, I've had enough." <laughs> what if? No. What if? What if? Uh, what if? Uh, what if, like, in in a uh, a deep state like identity politics group kidnapped him and heavily dosed him on acid and made him watch fucking the the, the remake of Ghostbusters just over and over again with like I don't know some like really fucked up music in the background. They, they oh god I can't make that joke never mind. <laughs> No. <laughs> you, you knew where I was going with that, didn't you, Not? I, 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 <laughs> you knew right what I was about to reference. Uh, <laughs> oof, oof. Rest in peace, bro. <laughs> I wonder I wonder what his life in prison is like. That's what I wanna know. You did know, he, like how, would, how is he gonna Is he did he just get life or is he getting death? I didn't I didn't check what happened to him. I mean, I hope he got. No, well, I don't think they do death. Yeah, in I don't Canada, think they do death in Canada. I mean, yeah, that's a whole other can of worms. I'm not going to get into right now. But man, some of these people, it's like, why Probably are you keeping yeah. these psychos? Why are you keeping these psychos locked up? I mean, like, there's video well, footage I, of this dude running, running a lot of people over. He's obviously not fit for society. We should I just mean, send him to space camp. Hmm. Here's here's an inflatable ball. Here's an here's an inflatable ball, and here's a rocket. You're going to the moon. Have fun. Well, no, I just I just think that we should, uh, you know, I guess maybe the death penalty is a little too extreme for some people. So I have an alternative, right? And 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 okay. no, you know, it's saved for for serial killers and people who have confirmed are confirmed just just unfit for society who will never get out of prison who. Who just yeah. can't help but hurt innocent people, right? And that's that we mm -hmm. just put them on on Bezos's penis rocket and we launch them into the sun. I was I was advocating for like asteroid mining, you know, asteroid mining. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of really. What good is this? What is this? Starbound. I mean, he could get on the Musk rocket and start mining resources. Musk rocket. Oh no! <laughs> you know what I'm waiting I for? Calls, I'm waiting for the calls, Bezos. I hope he calls it the Muskrat. I hope he calls the, the Muskrat. Musk I'm waiting for the. I'm waiting for the Bezos Musk Gundam fight. You know it's happening at some point. They're gonna make Gundams and fight each other. Well, fucking Bezos is gonna go with the traditional like fucking samurai-looking Gundam, and Bezos is gonna be in the dark Gundam with. The he's gonna be, no. He's gonna be in the Ava unit. <laughs> I would pay to see those two fight each other to the death. I, I'd pay for a gladiator match between okay. those two. I honestly think Bezos would win. He's got more weight on his phone. Like, Bezos no, looks like a supervillain. I know everyone's like, oh, Elon Musk is gonna be a supervillain. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that he doesn't have potential. You know, he could. He but what I'm saying is, is Bezos already looks like Lex Luthor. It has about yeah. the same amount of money. <laughs> yeah. He's devouring the online market. And he's control. He basically he has ears on everybody's homes. One of my favorite thing to do whenever a friend of mine has Alexa, I like to ask Alexa how much Be Bezos paid in taxes in 2018. Will it tell you? <laughs> no. I'm yeah, sorry. I, so. I don't know about that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I, I don't or, he'll tell, or 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 she'll respond with his income instead, mm -hmm. you know. 
I I mean, my phone's enough of a spying device to carry all the time. I don't need to have like an Alexa or a Google unit or an Apple unit in my house to to add. You know, there's enough corporate. I'm going to get a fucking laptop and I'm going to carry that bitch around with me. I'm going to have it run multiple OSs. That way I can get everything I want to get. And I'm just, just going to have a flip phone. Yeah. Actually, I, I, have I a mean, flip phone with like maps on it because we're I'm, all, I'm we're all care. getting spied on. We're all getting spied on anyway, but if I could limit how many corporations are spying on me at once, uh, I'll just, I would I'll like just... To have, well, it's also because I want to have control of the technology that I own, you know, the, the back yeah. then they gave you that kind of accessibility where you could actually customize shit, where you could like limit what your apps did sometimes just straight up all all out delete them. Like that's what I like, like about windows. And that's kind of yeah. what I like about it. But Android is just too full of scum to really appreciate for what you could do with. It. I, mean, and I mean, windows, I windows has gone down that too on the PC like, end. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, Actually, I think the the best thing to kind of bring up uh, in regards to this topic is a lot of people are looking at the Steam Deck as being like, you know, Steam trying to compete with Nintendo, which I don't think it is. I think the Steam Deck is a Trojan horse to get more uh, people to use Linux, which is open source. There's there's a million different versions of Linux, right? Um, yeah. But the main problem with Linux is it's just it doesn't support everything. It's a lot harder to get into. And I mean, the only reason I don't use Linux is because like you can get most games to work on linux so on that end i'm good on, on the pro gamer end i'm pretty good but i i do all my music production and video production stuff on my computer so i don't know how well a lot of those programs will work with linux because they already have a hard enough time working on mac and pc as it is so well, I, I think what a lot of people do is they'll just use linux as the base and then they'll run like virtual machines yeah i just it just sounds like so much of a hassle i mean i might end up doing that at some point but but yeah i know that's that i think that the steam deck is a trojan horse because i think they're using uh manjaro uh they might be using a different version but i think they're using manjaro and you say the word trojan you don't mean that in a negative context do you? no because i think it's good i think because because microsoft with windows 11 and all that has really set a precedent of of how hard they can just destroy the online gaming marketplace and so i mean yeah. even even the even the ceo behind epic games is on board with the steam deck like like steam's biggest competitors are are even in support of it so i think they all kind of understand what's going on and uh and say what you will about valve right um they're they're a really smart company that's kind of on the cutting edge especially gabe newell and i think that he sees the writing on the wall with windows and so it's just a it's just a trojan horse to get more people to use uh linux which i'm all for again i'd love to use linux i just need it to get to a point where it's more compatible and stable with all the things that i want to do because like i'm not a super tech savvy guy like i'm good enough to get around but you know I don't want it to be a hassle every time I just want to play a, a new game I've installed or, or get my, you know, my DAW to work or whatever. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get Linux onto a Chromebook that I have because I'm sick to death of, I, I hate Chrome OS so much. It's so, it's so much like a bubble. You can't really do anything unless yeah. you pay for it. Ads are everywhere. The, the operating system just sucks. It's yeah. ugly. Accessibility is just not mm. there. Yeah. Well, we're way Android. off topic. Oh, <laughs> <Very>. <laughs> I think I think we should call it here. I think we're I think we're pretty we, we've done a pretty long episode as it is. So, uh, well, I think it was a good episode. Yeah, I think, I, I think we'll we'll call it here. So, uh, yeah, yeah, everyone, uh, we're we're gonna call it here. And uh, 
If you want to send us hate mail, send us hate mail at thehushpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to validate us in social media, follow us on Instagram with our various links. And uh, we'll see you next time.